Hey, everyone, and welcome to A Plain Accounts Weekly Podcast. I'm Alicia McClintock here with my co-host, Ben Kramer, and we are excited to open the Gospel of Mark today to see what God might be saying to us as we prepare to preach on Sunday. Thanks for joining us as we turn to the lectionary this week. Ben, how are you feeling about preaching through Mark? Well, I loved last week. I, I felt like it was just so poignant, so spoke directly to the context that many of us find ourselves in the church right now. Being able to boldly declare the, the things that may be encroaching on the Lordship of Christ over our life and name those things and cast them out uh, so that Christ can be the name that we are known by in the world. And so it was it was just so poignant. So if that's any indication of what Mark's going to do for us in this season, I'm, I'm deeply excited. Yeah, man. I think I've confessed on air already that, that I, I love reading the gospel of Mark. I, I find it to be, um, it has been one of the most transformative texts for me. One, just like as a congregate or listening, um, I, I think it was the church I was involved with as a college student that preached through the gospel of Mark. Um, and that was like deeply formative for me in my early faith development. And then since, since that time, I've personally preached through it twice. So this is my third time preaching through the gospel of Mark. And I, I continue to find it to be a transformative story. Um, this emphasis on like the, like you mentioned already, like the power in the name of Jesus, um, that, that Jesus is God come to us as one of us. And it has totally um, upended the very fabric mm -hmm. of our reality. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, that God is doing something new and it's here and now, and it's for everyone. Um, there, there's this like super clear picture of, of Jesus, who is the King um, becoming king via the cross. Um, and, and I just find that to be consistently compelling. Wow. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, our text, our text for today, uh, is still Mark chapter one. Uh, we make jokes about Mark being like, uh, terse is his very <laughs> taut prose, like very, he's like, doesn't waste any words, but I also feel like we've been in Mark chapter one forever. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's because he spends like three sentences for one story yeah and you're like we're still in chapter one <laughs> but he doesn't include a birth narrative he's just rushing through things and yet we just stay in chapter one this whole time <laughs> right right but so but so much happens here like this is yeah. this is the origin if if not a birth narrative it's like the origin story mm -hmm. of of jesus so we we've moved from um, a brief snapshot of John the Baptist, and then Jesus's baptism, then the calling of the first disciples. Uh, we have Jesus driving out an evil spirit. And then now we, we get a sense of Jesus's healing ministry, as well as Jesus's own sense of like mission and yeah. spiritual life and practice. And so I'm intrigued to talk about that today. So we're reading from Mark chapter one, verses 29 to 39. I have the NIV today. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. 
That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Mm. Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Man. Where should we start, Ben? Well, it just intrigues me, the connection from uh, this passage to the last week about uh, silencing demons, did not allow them to speak, casting out demons specifically from the synagogue, you know, and that emphasis on something is going on systemically in his culture, that there's this perhaps demonic stronghold over the interpretation or teaching of God's, God's written word, uh, God's chosen people, that there, there are things that Jesus is doing in the midst of God's people. We don't get a lot of sense that it's among the Gentiles yet, right? Um, and so Jesus is starting down the, that road. And it's just so intriguing to me about um, that, that, that power dynamic of um, the demons are not allowed to speak or lay claim or even a name over who Christ is because of that power and authority that we read from, you know, the beginning of chapter one. Yeah. There's this keep silent theme that's really interesting Mm -hmm. in the gospel of Mark. Um, Especially since I know we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves, but I think it's helpful to remember the whole story or at least like the whole arc of the text that we're reading especially as we're diving into these like little bits Mm -hmm. at a time um but those who have read the gospel of mark before will remember that the original ending is in silence where women come to the empty tomb and leave afraid Mm -hmm. um and then there there are some later additions um or there that's like uh some textual scholarship and provenance that we can uh, dive into if we want um but but there there is this great theme of silence throughout the whole arc of mark's gospel and i find that deeply intriguing mm-hmm. um and here i guess here's one thing that i noticed like just in terms of of witnessing the writing style of the gospel if if i'm if i may and mm-hmm. it, it seems like mark is is committed to showing you who Jesus is and then leaving it up to you to decide what you're going to do about it. Right. That like in each of these encounters with Jesus, um, there, like there, there are, there are these choices that are offered to people and Mark doesn't offer a lot in way of explanation or like what's behind door number one or door number two. Mm -hmm. Right. Like Mark just is interested in, in keeping your eyes focused on Jesus and then you decide what to do about it. So that, so that when you get to the end of the gospel, like, are you going to be one of the ones who responded with faith, with Mm -hmm. commitment, with, um, with uh, accompanying Jesus to the cross, or are you going to leave afraid and mm. keep quiet, right? 
Um, and I, I find, I find that really interesting, but it also seems like silence has, has several kind of layers and purposes throughout the gospel, right? It seems like, like there's one kind of silence where Jesus seems to be saying, it's not time yet. Like I need some time and space. So, so stay quiet there. There is a time to speak and a time to be quiet. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the, the best way I can talk about that is, um, I, I've had several friends in my life uh, in the past like two years or so. It's been like the great baby boom. I've watched several friends become parents. Yeah. And there is like, and there, there is a time when, when you're not ready to, to share that news, right? Where it's, mm-hmm. where, where it's, it's not a secret, but it is private for yeah. a little bit, yeah. right? And until there's a time when it becomes like safe or comfortable or appropriate to make that news public right does that make sense yeah that's, absolutely that's not that's not <laughs> a total like one for one parallel but that helps me talk about like like there's a time for keeping silence and there's a time to speak mm-hmm. um and anyway that's that's yeah. one of the ways i'm making sense of this like be quiet don't say anything sort of theme sure, sure. because because that gets reversed toward the end where Jesus says like go into all the world and please mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. hear it or like right. I don't know it's it's quite directive it's it's not like hey please if you feel like it it's like yeah. go into all the go. world and share all the things right right, right. So there, there's a, like these contrasts of like be quiet but say stuff and I, I don't know mm-hmm. how are you making sense of some of that well I I love that parallel because I think where my mind went is uh, last, last week, you know, Mark is building this, this platform of the kind of power and authority. It's not that just Jesus has power and authority, but what kind of power and authority Mm -hmm. it is. Um, and so, um, we have this, this really stark picture there of Jesus speaking in the synagogue using the same written word. And yet his words bring freedom and liberation and healing and like all of these things that that's the outcome of his power whereas the contrast of the demonic power that he encounters and those of the teachers of the law and things like that when they speak it seems to lead to more legalism or oppression or constraints or control over over people And, and so then i think of today when you know there's a lot of talk on the ethics of like social media platforms and silencing voices that lead to division and which voices are going to be quieted and like there's there's a lot of this same dynamic between you know silencing particular voices that bring about this sort of control legalism division mm-hmm. because there's this deep desire in in humanity to be set free to not be you know controlled or constrained or oppressed or under this like doctrine of legalism Mm. um on you know no matter who it is that's speaking right and so it just makes me like what what does that look like because never before in human history have we had a direct line from people to public like we do with our technological culture today and so it just makes me really think about those dynamics i think in a in a more broader way of like, how is the church to uh, function with, you know, naming demons without our own specific agenda, but in the authority of Christ 
and yeah. being able to to silence those demons and cast cast them out. You know, it's I think it's much more uh, complicated than I think we 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 often see initially. Totally, I I think one of the things I notice about the narrative, like the sort of narrative structure and storytelling that's happening here, is I think part of the silence theme is allowing Jesus's actions and character to speak for themselves, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it's not crowded out by a bunch of other noise right that that if if the hope of mark's gospel the the account that he's telling is to have clear Mm -hmm. eyes focused on jesus then we have to eliminate the extra noise right and and have a clear understanding of who jesus is so so part of me wonders if maybe that's what some of this silence is like like especially at the beginning of jesus's ministry like like you just need some time and space for those seeds to germinate Mm -hmm. there there's this kind of gestation period right um at least that's how i'm kind of making sense of it but then i'm i'm also wondering about like the character of the voices that are speaking like yeah it i mean it does make sense to me that demons ought not to be allowed to speak yeah i i like i i doubt that they're trustworthy or good or true or Mm -hmm. beautiful (laughs) like i i i mean again i i mentioned on air that this like talking about demons and this sort of other spiritual Mm -hmm. kind of being situation like is unfamiliar territory for me i'm not very articulate about those kinds of things but it it does make sense that like those who don't speak with the character and purpose and mission of christ ought not to be allowed to speak about christ with authority i don't know if that's fair like it is because it's i think what complicates like being raised in the charismatic tradition where there is a demon for everything like Like demon, you have a cold. It's the, the the demon of cold is in you. You know, like all all sorts of rhetoric around that sort of mythology. But I think one of the terrible byproducts of that is that it 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 makes people um, shirk their own responsibility of like, well, I was possessed. Where that so that like there's true there's true possession that takes place of an ideology or a demagogue or someone in power that can possess a certain group of people or whatever but yet the body that is possessed or the mind or the heart is still deeply loved by god and you don't cast out demons unless you love the person right (laughs) you want to see them set free or liberated from that force and so like it I still haven't gotten it figured out about like, how do you look at this person that is causing such division and hatred and not, not speaking under the authority of Christ at all, understand that they may be possessed by that, but yet they still have responsibility for the words that they're saying Mm -hmm. and then respond still in the acquired honor and, and love and power of Christ to in the face of that, um, and I think that's why we extol people like Martin Luther King Jr., who more often than not was able to respond in bold, liberating love in the face of hate, right? Um, and still calling people to love other human beings. Uh, so like, it's it feels complicated to me and something that I really do want to learn and be disciplined in to be able to, how do I silence demons, love the people, love the people that the demons are possessing and yet still call the person who's possessed 
to accountability to the gospel, right? Like, where's, where is that dynamic there? Yeah, that's like a heavy responsibility. <laughs> why do we do this? Why do we, yeah, why do we do this? <laughs> um, well, <laughs> I, I mean, we do it because we are, we are possessed by the love of Christ. Right, exactly. be, because, because the story of Jesus is still the truest thing about me. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so, so I, I think like as, as I'm a, a pastor and a preacher and like, like carry the weight of words, I think this is, this is the call to me. Like, like, would Jesus tell me to be quiet or would Jesus tell me to speak? Right. And are the words that I'm sharing in the character and image of Christ? Yeah. I think, yeah. I think that's like a really consistent gut check for me personally. Oh, that's, yeah. Same. Such a good gut check. I need those gut checks more often. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, yeah. To, to find ourselves like in, in that space of like of bold commitment to the person and work of Christ Mm -hmm. and, and yeah. And and always doing this like discernment of the spirits that Paul says. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so how do you, I think this is such a good place to start talking about the character and authority of Christ and how that shapes, you know, the collision with the kingdom of darkness for lack of a better term how does that then shape you know in your perspective the place that this passage starts with the healing of peter's uh, mother-in-law and the one you know who gets back up and starts to um to serve all who are there in the household (laughs) (laughs) is this like ask the feminist what she thinks about unnamed women in the scriptures (laughs) we're forced into servitude (laughs) can they give that responsibility to you (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, uh, yes, I, I think, I think that we remember it, it's a little bit, it's a little bit tricky when we're, when we're still in chapter one, right? Mm -hmm. Like when, Mm -hmm. when we're looking at this slice of Jesus's ministry, but all of us who are reading it have the benefit of reading the whole thing and knowing, knowing like the whole picture of Jesus's character, at least as presented to us in the, in the gospels. Mm -hmm. And we know that Jesus is attentive to the vulnerable, the poor, the sick, the lonely, the hurting, right? Like even already in these, in these first few verses of Mark's, um, of Mark's account, we, we see that Jesus hasn't turned anyone away. Yeah. Jesus is responding with love and kindness and compassion and healing um, to to all who who come to him, um, and 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 so too with uh, with Peter's mother in law, and which I find really interesting. It's it's a, a sick mother in law who's mentioned, but that must mean there's a wife somewhere or was at least, and so that intrigues me. We don't get a lot of biographical information about the about the disciples. Mm. I mean, we hear we hear a bit about James and John. Their father Zebedee is left in the boat when they're called to follow Jesus. And then later on there, they have a mother who comes and advocates for their like position of power and authority to be mm-hmm. at Jesus's like right and left. And he's like, hang on, you don't know what you're asking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so we see, we see some like funky family dynamics <laughs> for some of them. Um, but I find it really intriguing. Yeah. Just thinking about like, like what have these, people left behind to follow yeah. Jesus what what did like what did those who got left behind think about it mm-hmm. right um yeah I 
so I, anyway, the, the text doesn't tell us this is all sort of my own particular imagination. So take that with a grain of salt. Sure. But, but I, like, I imagine what if Peter did leave a family behind mm-hmm. to go follow Jesus and this, this woman, this matriarch is the anchor of their family. Like yeah. she's, she's the one who's making sure everyone gets fed. She's packing lunches for the kids who are still working on the fishing boats. She's making sure that the that the thatch is patched and the roof doesn't leak, right? Like what if this woman is the anchor of the family and Peter's going off to like <laughs> hang out with Jesus right. on this like fun road trip. Right. <laughs> Um, and so like what about the family that got left behind so so I I imagine again this is just my own imagining the text doesn't tell us any of this but but I imagine this like matriarch the anchor of their family is sick what are you gonna do right Um, right and and so so I don't know I guess that's that's how the text seems to me today in in my own yeah just like in my own mind and heart that it it feels like like Jesus, Jesus offers, um, Jesus comes to this place offering healing, um, but not just, not just for a person who is sick, though Jesus does that time and time again, just, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but, but I wonder if perhaps this is more mission-minded, right, and, and maybe, maybe that's what this, like, she gets up to serve them and wait on them, maybe this is just who she is, Mm -hmm. but, that she, she, I mean, I know plenty of women like that in my life yeah. who, are, who are the most themselves when they're feeding you. Right, right. <laughs> um, and, and, and so, so maybe, maybe this, maybe this is an intimate moment among Jesus's disciples where Jesus says, I know you've left some things behind yeah. and you'll be okay. Yeah. Like to, to set, to set them free from some of those, those weighty burdens of maybe guilt or neglect or abandonment mm-hmm. that they might be feeling so that yeah. they can like fully travel with Jesus on this like really risky mission. Sure. I think I guess, that's yeah. Yeah. I guess that's 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 how that's how I imagine the character of Jesus to come forth in that moment. To, yeah. to say like like it's okay you're like like I have called you and I will hold you mm-hmm. and also the ones who you love. So good, because I think it fits right into what you were saying about, you know, I think sometimes when I read the text, I'm tempted to read it through my, you know, 21st century American lens where, you know, kids leaving their family is this like, um, you know, you're stepping into a new epoch of life and it's something that's celebrated, this independence that you have from your family where here, you know, in first century Palestine, you ha- still have this very deep honor shame culture that's tied to a very generational view of not only sin, but righteousness. So like your actions impact not only your whole society, but your whole family too. And so them leaving to go and do this holy other thing, you know, it has these really interpersonal ramifications that I think need to be spoken to. And also read into when like the leper is healed and brought back into covenant and to participate in that righteousness or Mm. you know the mother-in-law going back into this uh, Mediterranean hospitality culture that 
would be a very honoring thing and not being a part of it would be a very dishonoring thing or a shameful thing. And so Jesus ideology of inclusion is actually bringing them and restoring honor in the eyes of everyone around them. And maybe even restoring the disciples that left into a position of honor with their families. Like there's some deep uh, ramifications here in this very communal with whatever you're looking at, sin, righteousness, honor, shame, yeah. and how Christ is bringing back honor and authority to people in every word and action. Like it's, it's, it's such a powerful picture. Totally. And so I'm reminded uh, about some other moments where Jesus, Jesus speaks to other people who are interested in following along or joining the ranks of the disciples yeah. where, where they say like, okay, I'll come, but just let me go home and bury my father. Right. Let me yeah. like take care of some family business. And Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. But I think when we keep the character of Jesus in mind and the precedent that he's mm-hmm. set, um, I, I also think that he's, it's, it's not just like, well, forget everything you've ever known and like cut out of yourself this love of family yeah yeah. like rather jesus says we belong to a new family Mm -hmm. and there's there's a new priority right that doesn't mean it erases everything that's ever gone before it just is a reordering right and that when things are are in their proper order that jesus also can can care for these other loves Mm -hmm. maybe yeah, I don't. I don't yeah. know if that's fair to say, but that's but that's how it that's how it seems to me, right? That that in in calling folks to follow Jesus, Jesus recognized there is a serious cost and mm-hmm. some significant sacrifice. The way of discipleship is the way of the cross, and also the way of the cross is a way of new creations. Jesus is calling them into a new kind of family yeah. that it doesn't have to always be like sacrifice and misery (laughs) that it's that it's um that it's it it, it's death to be reborn like it Mm -hmm. like we can't we can't forget the resurrection the new creation the like new world formation that the new family the new community that's happening Mm -hmm. here so yes sacrifice but for something else does that make sense yeah absolutely i I, love that tie back to it reminds me of Wesley's, you know, encouragement to use scripture to interpret scripture. When you're mm-hmm. thinking of seeking first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you, right. the kingdom of God is the main priority, which sets all other priorities into their proper place, their proper perspective. Right. And then when the, when the kingdom of God, the reign of God, God's rule of light and love and peace and justice, when that is the priority, mm-hmm. the 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 flourishing the shalom of everything else follows right 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 yeah Yeah. that's so good that's so good so then um yeah this this the dynamic here of of healing then leads right into how i think we started the conversation about this authority that christ shows and illustrates results in evil being silenced those who are not able to be engaged in their normal life are actually brought back and restored. Mm. Um, God's written word is in being able to be interpreted and heard clearly. Uh, you know, all of these things, you just hear this kind of 
uh, I, I picture those, uh, those films of just like collision in reverse, like that things have already collided in this evil um, dominion, right, of sin and distortion and all of these things. And yet when, when Christ comes, it's almost like pulling these collided cars apart and all of these things are being put back in their proper place and restored to their, their newness and their created purpose. And, and that no wonder they call it quaking, you know, in, mm. with the Psalms when, when God's presence is there, it's quaking, not because God is there ripping things apart. It's because redemption from the ongoing chaos in the world is actually this, this pulling apart of the ongoing collision that's in front of us, right? Uh, and, and restoring into the proper order. And so that, that's kind of the, the noise that I hear, yeah. you know, when I read this passage. Well, and then speaking of proper order or priorities, like we have this bit about Jesus going to a solitary place yeah. in the morning while it's still dark to pray that Jesus himself is, is, is modeling for us this picture of what it means to be seeking the kingdom first. Um, that our text again doesn't tell us what Jesus is praying about although there are other bits of the gospels where we get a glimpse into Jesus's prayer life mostly like in the garden of Gethsemane or like in the passion narratives where Jesus is praying that he might be released from this cup mm -hmm. of suffering but not my will but yours be done um, an emphasis on God's will and God's mission um, as well as praying for unity among the disciples and for fruitfulness. And uh, so, so we get, we get some glimpse into Jesus's inner prayer life, but most of the time it's, um, it's private. Like yeah. we, we just have like the glimpse of an outsider that Jesus goes away to pray. And I do really think that a key part of this is like grounding and centering him in his own mission so mm -hmm. that he, he know he knows straight from God from the source uh, what he's meant to be doing mm -hmm. um, and that 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 becomes the filter and the and the guiding principle for him right so that he can come back from those times away mm -hmm. prepared yeah. to, to say we need to go to the nearby villages like this is this is why I've come right um, gosh yeah. that's so good because one of the temptations, I think of the temptations in the wilderness uh, of Christ. And I think one of the main themes there that Satan is trying to attempt is to like, to take God's power and authority uh, and use them for your own purposes. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's an every temptation and Jesus refuses that. And so him pulling away uh, is, is this very proactive, intentional discipline to say i'm not going to allow healing to bring me fame for my own sake or to 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 propel my own you know agenda or whatever in the world i really want Christ, god's power and authority to be the main thing one of the commentators yeah. I, I read about this passage said he could have stayed in capernaum and yep. use, you know, all of these healings and things to build his own platform and influence to have that sort of power to build that acquired honor that we read about last week. And yet he moved on, you know, because so because that that social fame it wasn't his desire. It was to really be about the kingdom of God. Right. Totally. Totally. Which is then um, I think illuminating for all of us who seek to follow Jesus, right? Yeah. We, 
we right. follow Jesus's example and then we fall in step alongside the other disciples that that were that were told about right, right. Um, I, I think I think that's another thing that I love about the Gospel of Mark is this like really clear-eyed picture not only on Jesus but also on the work of the disciples and mm-hmm. that we uh, I, I continue to find myself among their number um, uh, in good ways and bad ways right that that I like just as often as I feel like I get it and I understand it I also don't <laughs> I also right. say exactly the wrong thing or totally like get out of whack or um, or all of that so yeah I, I find a passage like this which feels like at first read through that it's like a kind of jumble of information like Jesus mm-hmm. is healing telling people to be quiet uh, and then goes to be quiet himself right. <laughs> um, but ultimately it feels like the threads that are emerging are about prioritizing the kingdom and the reign of God. Um, And and what does it mean to seek after that first? Mm -hmm. And which is which is so funny that that's the the sort of emerging theme for me because it's not like directly spoken of in the text per se as much as it is like an image that we're presented with. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I'm finding I'm finding that compelling what yeah. what does it mean to be centered and grounded in the in the mission of christ right um, and to let the other things fall into their proper mm-hmm. place trusting that god is doing something good yeah here. yeah it's to me it's this affirmation of who is the most powerful because sure. I, yep. I know you know in buzzwords we hear like god is sovereign god is all powerful you know all these things but i think there's such a at least in my upbringing there's this deep belief in fundamentalism that satan is as powerful in the evil ways as god is powerful in good ways right so this like dualism of equal power well like that's not all powerful if like there's some other force that's out there like that but like when you actually acknowledge and pull away and go into your quiet place and let that all-encompassing authority of God, then you actually do believe in God as the all, you know, being all powerful over you. You're that lordship. And so then you're putting up these healthy boundaries to not be overcome by these other more, let's be honest, puny and petty and divisive powers that are out there, you know, and you're not going to get mixed up in that drama. Um, but you're going to be have the lordship of, of Christ over you in such an extent that you're then able to to go out and not be concerned about your own fame, your own you know agenda in the world, but about about the lordship of Christ. Yeah, totally. And and so then this is this is the call of discipleship to give ourselves yeah. over fully to the lordship of Christ, knowing that that's also not just us. Right. Mm-hmm. But that, but that also means the burdens we carry for our family, for our work, for right. our community, for our neighborhood, like, mm-hmm. like all of these other things um, that we're like, we're not the ones keeping the plates spinning in the air. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. that as we devote ourselves fully to Christ, we trust that that God is who God says God is mm-hmm. and God will do what God says God will do. Um, and yeah, it's one thing to say that here, like in conversation and yeah. another thing to like, like do it on a daily, mm-hmm. like minute by minute kind of trust exercise. But, but that's right. the work. That's the work of discipleship. Right. Right. Absolutely. Wow. That's, that's, 
That's really good. I, I feel I feel like one of the things that I've been struggling or just trying to work through lately is this. I think this questioning or doubt in God's true power mm. leads directly to us justifying violent means for God's end. Mm. And so when when we violent people have concluded that God is not powerful enough to overcome. And so mm-hmm. we then must take that, that mission as our own and God's wrath becomes our wrath. And then we carry that out in the world, which you just can't, you can't justify that when reading Christ, you, you literally can't, um, who was always so overtaken by the power of God that miracles literally happened when there seemed to be no answer in sight. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the kind of people I want the church to be known by is that deep abiding authority of Christ that are people that are so convinced that God really is all powerful, that violence is just absurd. Like there's mm-hmm. no, there's no reason to be violent in the world because we are so over overpowered by love. Um, and we want to see the miracles that love can bring. Um, and we refuse to do anything else. And so that I'm, I'm really still trying to process that in light of um, recent events to, uh, to mm-hmm. really let that, that power be something that's deeply believed by, by God's people. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Where, where our whole lives, every action mm-hmm. demonstrates that we, that we trust the power of God's love. Right. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So uh, as we wrap up our conversation today, are there, are there some like concrete um, homiletical handles or ways that you're, you're preaching this week that mm. you want to share? Well, I think I've been challenged to make sure that my, my prayer life is <laughs> something that is, is deeply disciplined because I can't, mm. I can't presume to get behind a pulpit and interpret God's word in the authority of Christ if I'm not drawing away and making like you said the kingdom of God is my main priority my main desire of my heart and so that's that's something I'll also you know bring about as a practical um, approach for my people is that like how are you pulling away like take your deepest conviction pull away and say God is this defined by you Mm. Um, or I, I said in my sermon last this last Sunday that any conviction that brings about hatred towards others is demonic. It's not from God. Um, So that time of pulling away in darkness and saying, God, is this from you or is this from another source that I need to recalibrate is just, is such a deep practical way of, of being able to keep the kingdom first on a daily basis. Um, So that's, that's one of the practical things I'll be highlighting this Sunday. Totally. Yeah, I, I'm feeling the same call, uh, especially as I think about this like image of Jesus while it's still dark mm. and quiet in a solitary place. Listen, I'm really not a morning person. Like, yeah. so that's like <laughs> not for me. But like the like the the image and the idea of being in a place that is quiet, mm. where the noise has been stilled. Mm-hmm. That doesn't have to be before dawn. Right. <laughs> like there are lots of ways that that can work out. Um, but like thinking about the the voices in my life, even good ones, that I need to dial down 
mm-hmm. so that I can be dialed in to the voice of the Lord yeah. in, in my life. And so, so for me, that's going to be, I think, like a, like a strong calling of social media, of the of books that I'm reading, of like shows that I'm watching, of all sorts of other voices and characters that are like in my life at the moment so that I can create a space of quiet, of stillness, mm-hmm. um, of, of, of truly listening um, rather than kind of floating along, you know? Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm hearing that call, that conviction to, to recenter. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Re- recentering. Well, this has been a great conversation and we hope it's been encouraging to our listeners as well. We remind you all to, um, to check out the commentaries on the website. There are all sorts of stellar contributions there as well as uh, resources around liturgy and worship. So please check out the website, um, follow us on all of the socials, uh, leave us a review. Thanks to all of you who have done that. Um, mm-hmm. We read them all and, we do. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's deeply encouraging for us as well as it helps uh, shape the algorithm and recommend mm-hmm. the podcast to other folks who would find it helpful. So you can also always just like share a link with other people you think might want to listen. Yeah. So. Absolutely. We, we'd appreciate that. Be, we're grateful for all y'all, our community of listeners. And so we send you out to preach boldly, centered on Christ. May your words have the character, love, and community of Christ behind them. Amen. We'll see you next week.